Hello, everyone out there in podcast world. I hope you're having a great day. You're listening to or watching us live, uh, Service Business Mastery Podcast. I'm your host, Tersh Blissett. Uh, today, we have Brandon Smith on the show. Uh, anybody that's local, that's friends with me, it's not the same Brandon Smith you're thinking of. It's a different Brandon Smith, although we are still in Georgia. Uh, so, uh, and I'm super excited uh, to talk today about um, what you're an expert in. And it's really, um, it's one of those things where we all can use your advice. Uh, you have a book called uh, The Hot Sauce Principles, uh, your own podcast, uh, The Workplace Therapist Show. And uh, you, you're, beforehand we were talking a little bit and, and uh, you were talking that, you know, your goal is to eliminate workplace dysfunctions. And I think that that's uh, a ch- mighty high challenge uh, to, Keeps me well employed, Tersh. Well employed. <laughs> I got lots of job security. <laughs> right, right. So welcome to the show, Brandon. I'm really excited to be here. Really, really excited to hang with you and really go down any path you want to go down today. It's so much fun stuff we can talk about when we talk about making our workplaces a, a, a little bit smoother, a little less bumpy. Right. Yeah, absolutely. So tell me a little bit about your book first before we get started. Yeah, so so the book, The Hot Sauce Principle, it's how, it's how to live and lead in a world where everything is urgent all the time. Uh, and I wrote this because it didn't matter what clients I was working with, small business owners, folks in big companies, folks in schools, churches, everyone was dealing with the same thing. Time was our most precious resource, not money, it was time. Mm-hmm. And everything felt urgent all the time. It was that constant state of anxiety, that constant like, ah, you know, I mean, I, I, gotta, I gotta get there, I'm behind, I'm behind, I'm behind. Um, and it's kind of like, like running a marathon, except there's no, there's no end point. Yeah. And people are just, just getting exhausted and burned out. And so the book really is, you know, how do you, how do you manage that? How do you live and lead the world where that's the case, whether it's at home with our kiddos um, or we're talking about, you know, at, at, at work. And so the analogy is um, urgency is like hot sauce um, and, and hot sauce by itself is, a, I, I love hot sauce. This is Tabasco I'm holding up. I love hot sauce. It's really good. You put a little bit of this on, on you know, your eggs at Waffle House and, you know, it adds a little bit of focus and spice and flavor, you know, and it's great. But man, if you cover everything that's coming out of the kitchen in this, you know, the appetizer, the salad, the entree, the brownie, the iced tea, you're you're, you're overwhelmed, you're curled up in a ball. Mm -hmm. And so it's all about how do you manage the right amount of kind of hot sauce in your life, Um, both when you're putting that on your folks and your team, um, or if you've got customers or a boss and not making sure they're not putting too much of it on you. So it's kind of it's kind of managing it coming your what coming coming from other people's kitchen and then and then out of your kitchen. So, so okay, so that's, that's the analogy. So that's great. And how do I do that in my business? How do I manage that? So how because everything comes to me or comes to Julie as got to get it done now. And then it's almost in a situation to where like if I don't finish it now, I know that I'm going to put it on a back burner and and maybe I don't even get to it. So maybe I should do it right now. Yeah. So here's, here's a couple of warnings. This is where we screw this up. We actually create more urgency than we shouldn't as business owners. Mm-hmm. So right before the pandemic, I was supposed to, I was supposed to go to Vegas and I was doing a big presentation for uh, Napa auto care owners. So Napa, which is part of genuine parts company, um, they, they license their brand and work with mechanics. These are shop owners. Mm-hmm. And so those 15,000 of them coming. And one of my topics was going to be about this. How do you manage urgency? And so when I was preparing for this, I was interviewing these folks, these shop owners, 
they told me a, a couple of great kind of um, stories about warning signs for us. The first warning sign for us as business owners is you have to avoid the hero trap. <laughs> so when you when you put on the cape and fly in, you know, and rescue everybody, which, you know, we, we have a tendency to do as one of the, the yeah. shop owners told me, he said, you know, I've done all these jobs before. You know, I've changed oil. I've, you know, balanced tires, rotate. I've done it all. And it's fun for me to do. And when I jump in and I wear the cape and be the hero, um, I'm actually perpetuating chaos and urgency. Rather, what I should be doing is sitting back and writing a system so other people can do it without me. Oh, yes. But I'm creating more urgency and chaos because, you know, to have a hero, you have to have victims, right? You have to have somebody who's got to get rescued. And so you're creating that in the business. So he said, you, you got to avoid the hero trap. So that's one thing that we do as business owners that we got to watch out for. Second thing you got to watch out for is sometimes we create unnecessary urgency. So again, one of the shop owners said, you know, told me the story, said, Mrs. Jones comes in and, and needs her car repaired. Well, I promised her to have it done by the end of the day. She didn't, I didn't ask her when she needed it by. Oh, Maybe yeah. she doesn't need it until next week. She's going on vacation. But I promised by the end of the day. So now I've just created urgency for myself that wasn't yeah. there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I just stepped back for a minute and said, when do you need this by? Yeah. You know, I, I can manage that. And then when you, when you create that urgency, now you've eaten up air in your calendar. So that when other things come up that are urgent, you, you don't have any bandwidth. And it's crazy that it's funny that you say that because uh, whenever we, Julie and I, we were talking, we were talking with some some other people in our industry that live. Um, we're in part of a CEO warrior group, and it's very very much like um, peer to peer like uh, coaching organization. And it's uh, one of the things that we were talking about was that exact scenario where it's like okay, our next available spot is at 4 p.m. today. And it's like, rather than going at it about that, about it that way, it was uh, very much um, when's, you know, when's the next time that's good for you? Because maybe they're expecting, well, next Tuesday or something like that. And, and instead of us like uh, creating that false uh, sense of um, urgency, yeah. Or, or um, you create that anxiety and the sense that, that you have to get it completed right now. Maybe they, uh, this is their third air conditioning unit. You know, they, they, it's in their, their, their bonus room that it's never getting used uh, rather than us wearing ourselves out and running ourselves ragged. It may be a situation where they, they can wait a couple of days. Yeah. Amen, brother. And then you can, and then you can schedule it and it doesn't have to be urgent. And then, what you've created then is you, you left some space at four o'clock. So if something does come in that's urgent, you can deal with it. Because yeah. what happens is if we create everything, we make everything urgent when it isn't, we eat up our calendars. And then when something does come in, well, now what are we going to do, right? Exactly. Now, now, now we're going to have to work extra hours. And, well, and I'm the owner or the boss, so I guess I'll do that. So now, I'm, now I have to call home and say, I'm not coming home until nine o'clock tonight, honey, because I've had these things come in. And then you do that day after day after day. And then we start to get closer to burnout uh-huh. and then we're working in the business and not on the business, yep. right? We're, we're dragged right down into the weeds. Mm. So, um, and, and, and really, you know, it's where the business is running us. We're not running it. So, mm. so that's, so it's all, it all kind of comes, we got to wait, got to watch out for the traps. So I'll give you a quick little tip that um, I learned from a client. He's a small business owner. He's got, he's got 50 employees really anxious guy. I mean, like just, just an anxious guy. So he makes everything urgent all the time. His employees are like, you know, we can't keep working here. I mean, this is hard. Yeah. So I told the analogy of, of hot sauce to him and he went out and he bought three of these bottles. So I'm, I'm holding up a big bottle of Tabasco. He bought three of them and he stuck them on his desk. One, two, three. And so 
um, whenever he gave out a project to one of his employees that was urgent, he handed them a bottle with that project and said, you hold on to this bottle until it's done and then you give it back to me. And what he did was he only had three bottles he could give out. He created like a little forcing mechanism. He only had three bottles. So once they're, once they're gone, they're gone. Like yeah. otherwise he was making everything urgent. He was putting hot sauce on everything. So that's a simple trick that everyone who's listening to this can do. Go get yourself a couple of bottles of hot sauce, um, three to five, because you should never have more than five priorities in your business at a given time. The, the businesses that run the best right now, particularly the ones who've been surviving in COVID have been executing off of three to five priorities. Everybody in the business knows those three to five. Um, and, and that's a way to keep everybody focused. So every week they know these are our, these are our three to five that we got we to execute on. So the same idea with the, with the bottles, you know, then you can, you can hand out the bottles on those key things and, and, and it, it lets people know what they really need to be focused on and, and what, what can maybe, you know, be moved to a back burner. How do you decide which those are? I mean, because my sense of mm, maybe uh, Queen Bee role, if you want to take from Mike McCallowitz, uh, may be different than someone else's perception of that um, very important role. Uh, do you have a company-wide meeting and say, hey, this is how, these are our five priorities that we need to get taken care of? Or is it just one of those things where it's like, as it comes to you, you just say, okay, well, I only have two priorities left. So, um, you know, this one might have to pass up as a top priority. Yeah. So there's a, f a famous matrix that Stephen Covey came up with years ago, and it's all the urgent versus important matrix. He's yes. got these four boxes, right? And you got to focus on, he says, the urgent and important stuff. That's kind of what we're talking about here today. Mm -hmm. But you also got to focus on the important stuff. Maybe not urgent, but it's important. Yeah. Um, and But then the other stuff, the stuff that's either not urgent and not important or urgent and not important, he's like, ignore that stuff. Yeah. So so that's that's part of this. So what we're really talking about here is the stuff in those two boxes, the urgent and important and, and the important. The stuff that is, it, it would be important, but not urgent, but very important is one of the only two things that as a leader you should be authoring. First, culture. So culture is always important. Culture of your business. What is, and, and more specifically, if, if we're thinking about service, defining what does it mean to deliver great service, mm -hmm. right? That should be a priority. That should be one of those things you talk about all the time. Hey folks, when you go out there and you're interacting with our customers, this is what it means to deliver great service because we want them to call us back. Mm -hmm. Um, so culture is one. The other one would be uh, just generally strategy and priorities kind of overall for the year. Like when does it, you know, are we, are we trying to, you know, um, get customers, keep customers? Um, Chick-fil-A years ago, one of their big mission, vision statements was we want to be number one in getting new customers. Uh, and, and most people can't achieve their vision statement. Well, Chick-fil-A did. They, they became number one in getting new customers. <laughs> and then they changed it to we want to be getting we want to be number one in getting and keeping customers. Mm. So it's kind of what is that overall strategy that you're trying to do? That's also another important part of this. Cool. So yeah, so those those can be the things. But then there's also the, the occasional thing that pops up that is urgent and important. So you know, uh, one of your trucks breaks down and we got to get it repaired or, or, or replaced. Mm -hmm. um, we we we've, we've got some turnover. You know, we got one of our best technicians is moving to California because of family reasons. Now we got to, you know, and I replace them. And if, if you're like every other business right now, finding good folks is really hard, really, really hard. So, so that becomes urgent and important because, 
You know, we can only have people doing, you know, covering for that slot only so much before they get burned out. So you've got other things that pop up as in the, any life of a business, which might deserve itself a, a little bottle of hot sauce. I like it. That's really cool. That is really cool. Uh, I'm just taking notes. I'm just yeah. taking notes as fast as I can here. <laughs> <laughs> I like it. So tell me a little bit about your, I mean, tell me a little bit about your background. I, I love this, everything we've talked about so far, but tell me uh, how you've gotten into doing what you're doing. So um, I'll start, I'll go back, go back to college. So um, I got a degree in communications and like most communication majors, I was unemployed at graduation. How am I going to get a job? And so I took a job at a small chain of retail stores. It was a family-owned business. It was privately held and family-owned. And my boss was the son-in-law of the business. And um, so the woman who started the business, her daughter marries this guy. He's he's, he's my boss. Mm -hmm. Um, And so he meets me at the door of of the store where I'm going to be working as assistant manager, my first day of work. And he says, "Uh, I'm really glad to have you here. But before you get started, I've got a task for you. Waiting for you in the back room is the current assistant manager of this store, but he doesn't know you're coming. <laughs> your job is to go back there in the back room, fire him, and you get his job. Wow. That was my first task. On my, and I'd worked lots of other jobs, but this was my first real full-time job. Yeah. My first task on my first day of work. And that was how my boss rolled. He loved to come in. He loved to like surprise visits, you know, to try and catch you doing something wrong. He barged through the door. He'd be like, all right, uh, I don't like what Janice is wearing. Go fire her. And I had to do more, more layoffs in the first six months of that job than any other time in my life. And, uh-huh. and I realized like that was when the light bulb hit for me of what I really wanted to do. I realized um, first work should not have to suck. It, it should be a source of fulfillment, purpose, meaning, not, not pain and anxiety and depression. I mean, it is work, but it should be good stuff, not bad stuff. Yeah. Second, um, if, if, if my boss was any indication of the state of leadership in the world today, uh, it needed some serious help. Yeah. <laughs> and then third, that was where my purpose was born, that I wanted to eliminate all workplace dysfunction everywhere forever. Um, so uh, back then in those days, there wasn't such a thing as executive coaching certificates or ways to do that. So I went off and pursued a, um, a clinical counseling degree at Georgia State. I practiced inpatient for a number of years um, to build up my kind of my coaching skills. Um, and then I went into the corporate world to learn a little more how the corporate world worked. Uh, worked with a company that primarily served credit unions. So I worked with credit unions all over the country. Okay. And then I went and got my MBA um, to kind of learn a little bit more how businesses kind of function in the language of business. Um, and then uh, after that, I uh, kind of had, had some opportunities to do some other stuff, but, but just turned them all down and hung my shingle. Uh, and that was, that was 15 years ago. So, so that I always tell people that like that clinical background and that, and that business degree, those two degrees, it's like my Reese's peanut butter cup. Yeah. Somehow, somehow it kind of works, but it allows me to kind of uh, work with work with all different kinds of folks and help them help them work a little bit better together. I love that. That's really cool. And it's funny that you you knew kind of way back when when you first started your I mean, when you were doing your first business uh, 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 career that um, you kind of knew exactly what you wanted to do later on, like it, it kind of laid out what you wanted to do. Yeah, well, you know, sometimes we get those those moments in life with a with a positive thing, like a mentor or an opportunity. Mm-hmm. Sometimes those things happen in moments of pain. Mine was more of a moment of pain. <laughs> <laughs> like this is not good. I gotta fix this. Right? Yeah. Now, did you <laughs> at any point did you did you think that that was like the norm because you hadn't had a um, a job other? I mean, you had a couple other jobs with like a your 
quote unquote grown up job. Did you think that's kind of the norm in that career field? Yeah, you know, I uh, I did, and it was retail, right? And and what was interesting was, um, I, I went into it really naive, right? I thought, oh, I'm gonna have this boss who's gonna like mentor me and yeah, guide me, and you know, I did help me identify my strengths and take me down a path, and it's gonna be great, right? <laughs> no, it was no, it was not it. It's not how that worked. Um, and then what I also noticed was, you know, folks who were working in those like retail jobs, they had other jobs too. Mm-hmm. And they weren't doing it necessarily all for the money. I mean, it wasn't all about the money. The money was important, but they were there for other reasons. And if you didn't give them those other things, they were going to leave. Mm. Um, and and, and when, they, when they complained, it was never, gosh, they don't pay me enough around here, but I love everything else. It was, no, I, I, all these other things are, you know, this, if this person was a better leader or manager, yeah, you know, I would find this way more fulfilling and more fun. Yeah. Um, it's so, so often that you, whenever somebody talks about in their exit uh, interview that it's their manager or their, whoever was directly in charge of them. Yeah. When, the whenever you hear people complaining about pay, it's always something else. <laughs> yeah. Everyone needs to listen to that. It's always something else. When, when Gallup and other companies have done research around that and they ask people about what matters to you at work, pay is even in the top five. Mm-hmm. It's not even in the top five. Um, once you get to a certain kind of baseline level of pay that you can kind of make a living off of, it's all the other stuff that, that really matters. So, you know, it's, it's, it's stuff like, are there growth opportunities? You know, um, do I have the tools that I need to be successful? I do I have a friend at work. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, is it, is it a good culture? I mean, you know, it's all those kinds of things. So that, what about, so you, you mentioned a friend at work, what happens? Like, um, can you have friendship up and, and down the levels, or does it have to be, you know, side to side? Does that make sense? Oh, it makes total sense. Yeah. Um, I'm hesitating <laughs> because, because, some, because sometimes it gets even trickier. Yeah. Like you and I are friends, right? Yeah. We work together. We hang out all the time, right? We might even have beers on Fridays, right? And then you get promoted and now you're my boss. Right. Yeah. But that happens, right? That, I mean, a lot of people who are listening to this, that probably happens in their business. Mm-hmm. And so how do you, how do you have those conversations? Um, you, you, you can be friendly. It can be very difficult if you have deep friendships because, because in order to have healthy work environment, you have to have three things. These are kind of my litmus tests for any kind of dysfunction versus functional work environment. Clear roles. So everyone's got to know the role they play on the field. Right. If, if, if I'm playing shortstop, then you shouldn't be playing shortstop, too, because we need a second baseman. Right. So everyone's going to kind of know their role on the field. Second, um, clear expectations. Everyone has to know what's expected of them. So that's different than role, because expectations are things like culture or what, what it means to be successful. Right? so we've got to make those really clear. And the third one is what we call balanced feedback and balanced feedback for our purposes here, for this part of the conversation, it's just more positive than negative. We gotta be giving people positive feedback, but we also gotta be giving them that critical redirecting feedback. Yeah. So you can see if we're friends and, and, and buddies, it can make those conversations a little awkward. Very true. Where, where I gotta say, so I almost have to say to you, hey, Tersh, I gotta, I gotta put on my, my boss hat for a minute and we gotta talk about kind of the roles on the field that need to, need to get played today and where I need you. That's right? tough. Yeah, it can, it can be tough because now all of a sudden I'm taking off my friend hat, putting on my boss hat, or you would do that with me, right? Yeah. And so we got to be okay to shift gears. And then I got to be able to say, hey, this is what I expect from you today. You got to make sure you, you, you do this. Mm-hmm. Don't let up on me. 
And then if you don't do it, I got to give you that tough feedback. Yeah. That's the hardest part. Yeah. That's the part performance reviews or, or feedback in general with friends is the hardest part. So that's why it's, um, it's not ideal to have deep friendships at work uh, yeah. because it can make all those conversations awkward. Yeah, that is crazy. Uh, Cause I had, uh, I hired a friend once uh, with my other business and he was so distraught whenever he decided it was time for him to leave. Um, but at the same time, like uh, there, there was a point where I was ready to step away from that current, that, that particular business, but I didn't want to step away until he was not there anymore, or he was in a position to where he wouldn't be affected by me stepping away. And so he, but he just was, he, it probably took six months for him to tell me, Hey, I'm, I'm unhappy and I don't want to be here anymore. And I was like, wish you would have told me that six months ago, you know, cause yeah. I was ready to go too, but. Um, yeah, but I was worried about how our friendships and our relationship would, would last if that didn't happen and, and vice versa with him too. Well, what you're saying makes is totally makes sense because when we have friends, we value the relationship over performance. Yeah. As we should, cause they're our friends. Right. Yeah. I just like you for who you are, you know, <laughs> but when, when they're working for us or working with us, it's business. Absolutely. Performance matters. Our customers have a certain expectation that we deliver on. And if we don't deliver, we're letting them down. We're letting the business down. We're letting our families down. So it, it, it makes it a little bit a little bit messy. Now, here, here's, here's another curveball in all this. So we talked about friends at work, right? Um, and maybe it's easier to go side by side. Yes, but here's what often happens. Lots of folks listen to this or are in this boat. We get with our friends. We say, let's start a business together. Yep. And now we're partners. Yep. <laughs> You can still do it, but now this is where um, my role when I'm coaching folks, it's almost like marital counseling. Yep. Because <laughs> it's really about, you know, clear roles, clear expectations, bounce feedback. How are you going to have, you know, how are you going to communicate? What's your frequency of that? You know, when you have conflict, how are you going to manage that? And it becomes a lot about, you know, those partner dialogues that I'll facilitate is, is, a, lot, is a lot like marital counseling, getting those partners to kind of get on the same page and, and making sure that they're you know, um, trying to carry the same load. Yeah. When, when, things, when things go south, it's because, you know, one partner feels like they're carrying more of a load than the other. And then you get this, yeah, you get exactly. and all that kind of stuff. That happens. Even, the, even if it's not it, the perception of carrying the same load. So yeah. like you, you have one, one partner who thinks the other one's not carrying as much of a load, but the, and then the, that person's thinking the other one's not carrying as much of a load, but they're both carrying a huge load in their own way. Yeah. Think about sales and operations. Yeah, exactly. You don't know how hard I've been working this year, Tersh, to deliver more business for us mm. and to get new customers. It's really hard out there. And then you say, but you know how hard it is to run the business and all the demands that customers have on us this year. Yep. And I'm feeling those calls every day. Mm-hmm. Both are important parts of the business. Um, uh, but it can feel like I'm carrying more of a load than you. Yeah, it's, it's that's very that's that's very tough. Uh, that's exactly how my last business relationship went. We were very, very good friends and we're like, oh yeah, let's go into business together. But the clearly defined roles weren't there. I mean, we kind of laid them out, but we didn't like sit down and put pen to paper and say, Hey, this is what I'm going to do. And like, I don't think that's enough of a load for you, or this is enough of a load for me or whatever. Uh, and so it was very easy for us to be like, ah, like, I don't feel like you're doing as much as what I'm doing. And then vice versa, just exactly like what you said. 
Yeah. If I was to script it perfectly, I would say um, it's great to have work friends, Mm -hmm. but you want to keep them there at work. Yeah. Because it just just keeps the boundaries cleaner and easier and it makes conversations easier. And the less you know about all the, all the personal stuff in their life, Mm -hmm. it it can, that the more we know on that side, it can make it harder for us to have the conversations we want to have. True. Or need to have. Yeah. And, and it's even as me being a boss of someone else or a leader, whenever I know like their single income family and they, you know, have five kids or six kids. And like, if you know, you're not like, if you look at the numbers, you're not performing, you, your numbers are tanking and we can see that, um, your culture, your contribute, your um, contribution to culture is, is tanking. Everything's tanking. But the more I know about that personal life, it's more of like tugs at the, sh- at the heartstrings. And I'm like, oh man, we can just like let them float it out. But then all the other employees, they see that you're letting them just slide by too. And so right. it's like, it just, I mean, that, that just ruins the culture of the whole company. It's tough because if, and whenever we have a business that we've started and, and we have family involved, you know, small businesses that, you know, they're, they're, owner operator kind of businesses are always going to have family as one of the values. Yeah. And that's super important. I was talking to a client earlier today and that was, that's true for their, for their business. But the downside to that is we can not hold people accountable when we need to. Yeah. And the people who get the most mad are a players. Yep. Cause they're like, I'm busting my butt out there. Mm-hmm. Like I'm delivering 120% of what you asked for. Mm-hmm. This person's at like 60% and we're being treated the same. Yeah, <laughs> I'll just go somewhere else. Exactly, and yeah. we can't afford to <laughs> can't afford to lose the A players. That's yeah. our that's our varsity team out there. We got we got to keep them on the field. So uh, it becomes tricky because we still like the value of family and we want to give care and compassion, but we got to find a way that we treat everybody equally. So how do you determine that like eighty twenty rule? Like how do you at what point do you say, all right, you know? You're taking up 80% of my time. This 20% of your of the of the employee or the team is taking up 80% of my time and giving me 20% of my results. Like, what what do what do we get in there? Like, how do how do we say okay, it's time to it's time to cut cut ties or, you know, is that where it's like that balanced feedback? Like, should we have quarterly meetings? Should we have monthly meetings with with individuals or how do we how do we know that number? Yeah, so if you if you have an underperformer, which is kind of what we're talking about here, yeah. they're going to draw more of your time. Mm-hmm. Uh, move quickly. I think I think one of the things I always hear with small business owners is they always start off and they say one of their big learnings in life is they say I I, I let people go too slowly. Mm-hmm. I waited too long, mm-hmm. and they learn over time to move quicker. It's not to say you got to immediately let them go. You want to give people a chance, mm-hmm. but you got to be really clear. So you go you go back, you pull them aside, you say, let's talk about your numbers. Let's reset on, on your role. Let's reset on expectations. Like make it really, really clear. Okay. And then work with them on an action plan. Or if you really want to kind of get more of ownership from them, um, uh, get them to author the action plan. Say, hey, why don't you go off this weekend? You come up with an action plan and bring it to me on Monday. Okay. Because we want them to take ownership, initiative, and display critical thinking. Mm. As, those are the traits of an author. Mm-hmm. So we want, that's where we also go wrong as leaders is we author too much for our people. Yeah. We should be in the editor seat, not the author seat. Gotcha. They should be authoring. So you tend, have them go off and write that action plan. They come back and bring it to you. You can help, you can edit it, help revise it. 
And then you just, you have a, you have regular check-in meetings to hold them accountable. And if they, if they aren't able to kind of um, hit it, then you put on a performance improvement plan, a, 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 you know, commonly referred to as a PIP, right? And we, and we put them on a, on a 30 or 60 or 90 day plan, same thing, but now it's formal, right? So again, we're driving clarity. This is, it's, it's, we're getting closer to the end here if we can't turn this around. And then if they can't turn it around, then you say, you know, all right, we've, we've, we've both been working on this. This clearly isn't a good fit. Uh, I think it's probably time to kind of part ways. Now let's, let's talk about kind of what you want to do next and how I might be able to help you get there to kind of make that transition a little, a little smoother. Uh, that's often where people go wrong too, is they just kind of let the employee go yeah. and the employee gets really mad and, and, and takes it personally. Yeah. And then you get a lot of the, the backlash. But if, right. because, because they're anxious, because you just took away their job mm-hmm. and they have nothing to fill that void. But if you spend a little bit of time on career coaching with them, you can fill that void with a new path. And then they come away and they say, you know, they go home to their family and they say, you know, I, I got let go today, but it's not that bad. We sat down and talked about it. I got a good plan going forward. And, uh, and Mr. Brandon or Mr. Tersh is going to help me kind of work, work through that. So oh. it, 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 it leaves them in a better place. Yeah, I like that. And then you don't get the the one star reviews on on Google from them because of. <laughs> I had a leader. He's he since passed away, but he was a really senior guy. He used to be an Army Ranger, and he um, turned around businesses his whole career. And he often went into highly unionized businesses and had to turn them around, mm-hmm. which meant you'd have to let a lot of people go because you know you have to you have to really restructure the business. Mm-hmm. He said the thing he was proudest of the most, he was, he was 24 for 24 in all the businesses that he turned that he worked in. He turned them all around. But he's most proud that he never got sued once for terminating an employee. And it was because he took this approach. Wow. He said, I never let people go on a Friday because they'll go home and they'll tell their, their family mm-hmm. and then their family get them all wound up. And by the time Monday comes, I got a lawsuit waiting for me. Mm-hmm. I always talk to them on, say, a Monday, Tuesday or Wednesday. I would have already had all these conversations a bunch of times, so it should not be a surprise. And then I basically say to them, hey, this is not working out. Why don't you take a few few more hours to think about what you want to do next? Let's meet this afternoon. Let's come up with a game plan and how I can help you get there. Huh. And he said people would always go home and they'd say, hey, honey, I got let go today, but it's not that bad. Yeah. I got a plan. And, and, and you know, my boss is work, working, with, working with me on it. Yeah, that's really cool. I like that. That is yeah. awesome. Like if, if you don't take anything else out of this conversation, how to fire somebody. <laughs> that's awesome. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, because that's, I mean, those are, you know, we have to have those conversations as leaders and, and bosses and managers and owners. Those yeah. are tough conversations. We want to do it in a way that is right for the business, um, but also right for the person that we're letting go. Try yeah. and give them as much, as much grace as we can in that process. Right. Uh, because mm-hmm. the rest of our folks are watching how we're handling that conversation. Right. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Don't forget that. They're watching you because they know that, that one day they could be that person. Very and true. if you handle that, that person with a lot of grace and compassion, that, that your respect in other people's eyes will, will, will go up. Yeah. Or if the opposite, you do it badly, then your respect goes down. Yeah, exactly. Which yeah. was my first boss. <laughs> oh, man. This is really cool. Thank you, Brandon, for coming on the show. Um, what's the best place for people to go to, to reach out and learn more about you? Yeah, the, the simplest place to go is you can just Google the workplace therapist. There's, there's only one. I'm the only guy. Oh, cool. It's www.theworkplacetherapist or just Google the workplace therapist and you'll find me. And that that's where you, you can buy a copy of my book. You can also buy a copy of my book on Amazon. Um, it's also got well, my, my all prior podcasts, blogs, articles, all free resources to help people become better leaders and managers. And most importantly, 
create workplaces that are a little healthier, a little less bumpy, a little more free from dysfunction. That's what I like make, to hear. Make, make us all a little bit easier to get stuff done at work and uh, deliver on our customers' expectations and uh, bring home the paycheck. Exactly, exactly. And I appreciate it. I appreciate you coming on the show. Thanks for uh, having me. Yeah, absolutely. And everybody that's listening to or watching this show, uh, please don't hesitate to reach out to myself or Brandon uh, if you have any questions about any of this stuff. And definitely check out his podcast because uh, this information is obviously, I mean, we've been talking here for a half hour or so. And all the information that we got from just talking here has been great. So I can only imagine uh, what information you'll gain from from listening to his podcast. But uh, with that being said, thank you again for listening to or watching this episode of the Service Business Mastery Podcast. Uh, this podcast focused on service business owners, managers, and technicians who are considering becoming business owners themselves. Until we talk again next week, I hope you have a safe week and uh, happy Thanksgiving. We'll see you later. <laughs>